With another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 446, a.k.a. Year 9, Week 22, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC. And since this is your regularly scheduled Saturday broadcast, we do it on the Clubhouse platform still. Uh, the club is the Anarchist Experience, or you can at me at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number 4, R-I-C-H... Um, and then I'll click the little invite button to let you know that we've started the live show. Uh, what is going on with you this week, MC? Uh, not much. I'm. I'm just. I just wish uh, that weren't more troops weren't going to Israel, because why? <laughs> it has nothing to do with me. Well, it it has nothing to do with you or me. But I just wanna. I want. I want to know a little bit more of your motives because last week we talked about the Israel Palestine thing and. One of the things that you suggested was that uh, the only way to foresee peace in that region was for Israel to wipe Palestine off the map, basically. I mean, I mean it, would, it would seem that, that sending more troops and military there uh, furthers that goal. That's what they should do, but they should leave me out of it. Okay. Well, or they should, I mean, they have, they have two options. They could leave, like you suggested, or they could take over, but... Uh, I mean, the third option is just keep doing things the way they've been doing things for the last 70 years. Right. And and I suggested that they leave uh, because they're the occupying force, right? Like, I don't... I mean, they wouldn't say that. Well... It's their homeland, man. Well... They were there for thousands of years before they weren't. <laughs> yeah. And, and, so, and so one of the, you know, one of the questions that I ask, you know, is if... If the, you know, if the, if the Native Americans got off the reservation, right, and finally fought back after hundreds of years, right, like what, you know, whose side would we be on, right? Like the, the land was clearly stolen. The United States violated all the treaties, right? The United States, you know, the, the, the progeny of those settlers, right, are on occupied territory, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, fault the Native Americans for like for fighting back, right? Like I that's don't know. a lot of that is debatable. Well, it's debated. That's or, why we have a podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's endlessly debatable. For example, um, if the Indians uh, sold their land, not understanding that land could actually be owned, because um, when when they sold the land, it was like, haha, these these stupid foreigners want to buy the land. What does that even mean? Just give yep. me your money, <laughs> you know. So uh, there, there's a difference of perspective and understanding about ownership, land ownership. So, like, how how could they even legally sell their land if they didn't have a concept of legally owned land? Uh, even more, I mean, that also bolsters the fact that they ought to have it back, right? If you you can't contract, well, it wasn't no theirs. Of the mines. What's that? It wasn't. It wasn't theirs. You just. 
whoever wants to lend takes it. That's that's the rule of the land. <laughs> okay. And so again, if they if they do take it back, then then fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like good luck. Okay. And I'm and and from that perspective, I'm fine with that. Right. Like I don't I don't mind I don't mind the age old human endeavor to conquest. Right. But if that's what settles it, then that's then that's not peaceful. Right. That's conquest. And if you know, I'm again I'm fine with it. If 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 it's the might makes right and whoever's stronger wins, then that's the rules we live by. Right. And if that's the rules we live by, uh then again, we, we ought to stop talking about uh, peaceful solutions to ending the state and taking, and, you know, no longer having anything to do with the federal government. Like they have the might, they win and either, either fight back, right. Or shut up and live in subjugation. Right? If that's the, if that's the rules, right. Then we, we ought not talk about rights. You know, we ought not talk about freedoms, right? It's like they have the might. They've used it most effectively. They set the rules. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, 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 so shut so it down, you, right? Like, so are you, nope. so are you vo- voting now or, or are you shutting everything down? <laughs> no, I'm, I am suggesting that we get together and fight the fuck back. Always have been, right? The, the voting, voting within the system is, has always been nonsense so, to me. So, so you're with the Indians. I'm with the Indians if they're ready to fight back. If they're if they're willing to like just sit on the reservation and not do anything, then I'm not with the Indians because they're just like everybody else. And one of the one of the things that again I'm not I'm not pro terrorist and killing babies, uh, but I am pro fighting back against an occupier against you know against people who were trying to take your stuff. I'm absolutely for that, and in, in from from my point of view. Right, the Israel-Palestine conflict, right, is one group of occupiers and one group fighting back, and what the mainstream media and the West, uh, Western forces, uh, uh, have to do is portray those fighting back as terrorists. Right? They they have to paint them in that light uh, in order to maintain the facade that it's okay to overthrow, to conquer, to steal land. Uh, from a weaker group of people because that's what they have done throughout history. Like that's, that's how everything gets, that's how the map gets drawn. And if you fight back, you're the bad guy. And I'm, I'm very clear that fighting back doesn't make you the bad guy. It makes you the defender of what's yours, the defender of your land, your property, your home. And that should always be the case, right? Like I, I live, I live in a state where it says live free or die. And the other half of that not printed on the bumper sticker is death is not the worst of evils. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Hamas isn't a defensive organization. Um, I think there's very few Palestinians that even have the ability or desire to fight back. Um, right. Good thing they have someone doing it on their behalf. Well, they're, they're fighting, but they're not, they're not doing it uh, to defend their their land it's not it's not like if israel just said okay well we'll just have a you know you stay there and we'll stay here that hamas would stop well because israel has to leave that's part of it it's not a stay there thing it's this was all ours and then some of it wasn't and then more of it wasn't 
And until we get it all back, right, there's going to be a conflict. They can't be there. It wasn't theirs. If you're relying on the Bible, right, that's, that you're, you're calling upon a book of fiction to settle a land dispute. God decreed it to be ours, and so it is. Well, no, he didn't. And so we fight. You can't, you can't wave a magic piece of paper and all of a sudden have extra rights. We don't, we don't allow that with the Constitution here. We don't allow that with the Bible for religious purposes. Magic cloth, magic paper doesn't infer upon you extra, extra rights and privileges over me. What does is the violence and my lack of ability to fight back, which is why you have to get with others, right? If you, you know, you're not going to take on the bully one-on-one, but if you can get a handful of people together, right, and, and organize and collectively defend what's all of yours individually, right? doesn't have to be everyone owns my land, but everyone owns their land. If they, if they see the bully coming to take it, right, they go like, well, you know, we, we had better get organized to prevent him from taking Bob's land. Uh, otherwise, they're going to take Bob's land and then come after ours. Right? That's, always, that's always the case. You got, you, the, a collective, collective defense must be organized. Have you seen that, that video? Uh, it's, a, it's a flash animation. And it has the song in the background. Uh, the song is "This This Land Is Mine." Um, I'm not recalling it off the top of my head, but I've I've seen a bunch of things like that. But spell yeah. it out. So there's there's been there's been fighting over that land for a very long time. That's what understood. the video is about. So, um, <clears throat> I I don't know how you can say well this is theirs or you know they're defending. Uh, so it's a matter of of perspective. Um, is there innocent people in Palestine? Like, yes. Sure. Those are probably also not the people that are fighting back. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's two options. They can leave or die or hope, or hope that Israel just goes, oh, yeah, you're right. This isn't ours. We're leaving. Or fight so. back. That's the thing. Why is, why is the third option not on the table? Right? Because, uh, one, uh, they, they, they missed their opportunity a long time ago and um there there's no hope for them i mean they're they're dependent on israel for water and electricity and stuff so that's because um, israel threatens to cut it off if they don't comply that's not yeah. dependency that's a blockade okay well right am, I, am I wrong lost. if somebody if somebody can stop you from getting water um you've you've already lost so <laughs> Right, but that doesn't make me, do, that's, again, that's, well, I'll go back to the Harry Brown quote, uh, or paraphrase, right? The, the government is the one who breaks your legs and hands you a crutch and says, without me, you wouldn't be able to walk, right? Uh, be, I, no, because you that. give me the I crutch get... doesn't mean that you're, I'm dependent on you. You're the one who broke my leg. If you're cutting off access. Well, their, their leg is already broke. Who broke it? It doesn't matter. It does, <laughs> Israel, it absolutely Israel, does Israel, matter. Okay, Israel broke it. And okay. Now what? So they're, they're, they're not dependent so, upon Israel. They are now because their leg is broke. No. Again, that's, that's, that's a perverse way of looking at it. If the government no, breaks my leg and hands me yeah. the crutch, I'm not dependent on the government. It's, it's, not a, it's not a perfect analogy. I mean, I understand it, but it's not perfect. And okay. So they, they're already, they've already lost. If, you, if, if you're in a position 
that that you have to uh, do what they say or you can't have water, then um, yeah. that's that's a, that's a lost position. Like you, you're I, not- I grant you that it is a lost position, right? But it, it does a dependency. It does not create. Right. We we again. If you want to, if you want another example, the um, going back to World War Two, right, and cut, cutting off the trade routes and supply lines to Japan to in, to compel them to fight back or to retaliate, so that you can get into the war, isn't isn't a justifiable position, right? No, yeah, we just won't let them get stuff, and and we'll back them into a corner, and then we'll call them the bad guys when they fight back. Right, you, that's none of us would, ju- none of us have in the past, and I don't think we would ever justify that position in the future. Yet somehow, right, with with uh, the Israel Palestine breakdown, that's the position people take, and it's perverse. I'm I'm not calling either of them good guys. Okay, I'm just saying it's it, <laughs> it's a horrible situation, and I agree, and uh, and uh, and. I think Hamas is also bad. So, agreed. But I don't. <laughs> Hamas. Hamas is a creation of Israeli occupation. Yeah. So if they weren't occupying, right, there would be no Hamas because they they would have no purpose, right? If if the if the British uh, weren't being douchebags in the Revolutionary War, uh, there would be no you know Commander General George Washington. Because his existence wouldn't have a purpose, right? Overbearing governments creates freedom fighters, and if the freedom fighters win, they're called heroes in the new textbook, and if they lose, they're called terrorists by the by the occupying force, because history favors the winner, right? Norm Norm Macdonald said that you're like, oh man, isn't it amazing how every you know every textbook you read, like the good guys always win? How's that happen? Because they write the books. They write everything in their favor. And what we have with the Israel-Palestine situation is like history happening in real time. We know they're the occupying force. That's not even in dispute. They're referred to as the occupying force and Israel-occupied territory and yada, yada, yada. Uh, did you know that uh, Hamas was created by Israel? I, I, not, not, okay. I mean, actually, directly, not, not as a okay, go on. Like, side effect. I'll take it, but um, continue. So there was there was a divide and conquer strategy by Israel, and so they funded Hamas to uh, be terrorists in in Gaza, and uh, so they created them. Okay, and then they, then they started fighting fighting Israel instead of the other Palestinians. Well, f- folly on Israel for, for that. <laughs> but it's all, again, you know, our, the United States CIA and the United States FBI right, does a whole bunch of that domestically as well. Yep. And sometimes they catch them first and then they, they prop themselves up as the good guys. Like, look, we caught another domestic terrorist that we recruited, funded, trained, weaponized, and then busted right before the end. Which means if the United States wanted that here, right, if, they, if that's, you know, if that was really on the books, they just wouldn't stop them, right? The, the, the January, 6th, 6th, uh, January 6th insurrectionists, right, would have easily been uh, successful. The threats against Governor Whitmer would have been the successful uh, uh, kidnapping and, and assassination, 
right? They they would if they wanted that if they wanted a Hamas style domestic terror group here, uh, they would allow that to happen instead of infiltrating and stopping. And we wouldn't call them the good guys. We wouldn't be like, oh yeah, good thing, good thing the United States is fighting back. Like no, they were yeah, absolutely there's, there's responsible. Probably, there's probably a bunch of people in in Gaza that that don't think Hamas are the good guys. I get it. That's again that that's that's the that would be the equivalent of the people here uh, saying those darn militia groups and their domestic terrorism, because they have a very narrow outlook on things and they they don't see the larger picture being played out. They see the narrow scope of what their government tells them they ought to see. That's why the incursion of the capital we continue to refer to as an insurrection when it was nothing even close to an actual insurrection. It's just easier to say it that way. But we say it that way because that's the narrative that the mainstream media portrayed, and that's what gets repeated, and we are guilty of that repetition as well. And there, and there are those on the left who were absolutely convinced that the United States federal government was about to get overthrown on January 6th, and there wasn't going to be a peaceful transition of power, and they were going to put an end to it. Had the had they not been stopped and repelled from the Capitol building so that the election ballot counting could continue. They ignore the fact that they were invited in. They ignore the fact that even people on that side, right, the Capitol Police, uh, foresaw the events as they were about to occur, asked for backup, and was, re- and was not given any by Congress. That was absolutely an invitation to let those events play out as they did or more so. And then it just wasn't as violent as anticipated. Like all the cops that died, died of like other causes after the fact. And the only real death uh, was that Ashley Babbitt chick or whatever her name is. Right. That's all the violence that took place. And yet those trials are still going on. They're still considered insurrectionists. And I think the the same thing about, the Hamas attacks were allowed to happen. So, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't make me change my mind that Israel is in the wrong in this event, despite what the media tries to proclaim. Hamas isn't the good guys, but neither is Israel. Yeah. yeah that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you've also, again, you've also made the claim that Israel needs to wipe them out for there to be peace. And I'm, like, and I'm saying they should, they should fight to the death, right? Because freedom is more important than life. That's the motto, right? Death is not the mm, worst of evils. I don't know. If you're living on a piece of land that uh, gets the water cut off routinely. Um, then go kill the son of a bitch who keeps cutting off your water. I mean, that's, that's one option. That's the um, option. Or, or you can go somewhere else. I'd probably take go somewhere else. Okay. Where are you going to go? Again, this, this, is, this is the move here project thing, right? Where are you going to go where there's, no, where there's not a system of governance in place uh, that will allow you there? And we talked about this a little bit on, on Free Talk Live after our, our podcast last week, right? And some guy called in and said, nobody wants them. They can't go anywhere. The neighbors... The neighboring Arab, uh, Arab communities, states, whatever, like don't want the Palestinians. They won't take them in. Oh, yeah. They've that's, got closed borders. To me, that's a bigger shame. 
It, uh, sure. But it takes it takes the just move option off the table. You can't just move. If you're a 21 year old Palestinian kid or younger, and this is like the only life you knew, and you can't move, and you can't get access to water, right? What other option do you have? You either live with it or you fight back. The move option is off the table. No one else will take you. Okay, they don't well, even know you, but I, they won't take I'll, you. Yeah, I'll, I'll accept that. But I'm just to be clear: if the if you have the opportunity to move, then they should probably take it. And if they can't, then they should do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that too. I just again, if you know, if if it's my property. Right, sure, I can give it up. I can, I can give up ground, right? I can, I can let the United States government tax me to death, or I can move elsewhere, right? Or I can just say, like, nope, this is mine. I'm keeping it. You know, why should I move? You're the asshole. Now we fight. And I can't win that fight one on one. No one wins that fight one on one. That's why I need a, a government. Well, no, that's why you need a collective. Like if you want to call it a government, we'll we'll squabble over definitions. Yeah, but those, I don't think collective defense is the same as a government. I think they're more effective forms of collectives. The government is. Yeah, I mean that's why they kind of dominate the world. Okay, and I guess the 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 fu- the fundamental difference is again how they acquired that, how they acquired that power, and mostly it's telling people. Well, you're better off paying us than not doing it, and the, and uh, or you can take the Jones Plantation route and say, well, um, you're a good person if you pay taxes, and most people just fall right in line. So. Yeah, propaganda, propaganda works. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, again, that's that's this is another reason why I don't understand. I mean, I do understand because they have morals and ethics and values, but it's it's a shame that more libertarians like big L libertarians don't realize what the effective strategies are and implement those in their, in their search for power, right. As the, as they try to grasp the reins of the United States federal government, like there was a playbook, it works, it's known to work. It's worked for hundreds of years. Right. And they just, they just won't do it because again, morals and ethics and values. Et well, cetera. I think they would have to, not call themselves libertarians because that's too obvious. Well, and here some of them don't. Like all the quote-unquote libertarians at local yeah, office yeah. here have that's an R or a D I, next to their I get, name. I get upset when, when people bash Ron Paul. And it's like, well, he was trying to win. Yeah. That's what you do. I mean. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> and, if, and, and fine, right? You know, just the, the, the problem is not that he did. Uh, the problem is that he did, and yet again is on this pedestal of someone with morals, values, and ethics. Right? Sure. He is the best of us. We should all strive to be Dr. Ron Paul. Um, and no, he did shady shit throughout the whole thing. And we, we overlook that uh, because of all the good that he did. Uh, but let's, let's not forget that he did those things along the way. Right? He voted He voted no. On like every bill that passed through, right? But he also made sure, you know, that that he put some of his congressional districts, uh, you know, funding on on there, right? I'm, I want my people to get this money, 
but I'm going to vote no, knowing that it's going to pass. That's shady. It's effective, right? We can't, you can't do that and still hold them up as like the, the morals and ethics guy. No, he's the guy that fucking won. He should be up there as like, this is the strategy for victory. And if you want to win, do this. But he is not the, he's not the poster boy for victory with morals and ethics and values. Far from it. He just made it look good up front as a true politician should. And so let's hold him up as the example of how to win. And again, locally here, uh, politicians have done that, right? The, the libertarian, again, the libertarians who get into office are currently running mostly as Republicans. That's just the way it shakes out. Uh, in the past, they may have run as Democrats because that was the better option. Hopefully you'll have them running as both. So if either side wins, you get some sort of liberty-minded individual in office. But that's, that's the strategy to victory. And the libertarian party proper right, doesn't, doesn't do, use those strategies. They don't follow those examples. They don't take the lead of what is successful. And if, that's, and if they don't want to, that's fine. If they want to be like the party of principle, right, of morals and ethics, right, then, then, then don't also try to win. Right? If you're going to do that, stop bringing in not libertarians into the party, like Bob Barr and uh, Bill Weld, and whomever, you know, they were running the last go-rounds. Uh, what's the governor, the, the New Mexico governor, Gary Johnson? Don't bring in Gary Johnson, right? Those were all shut. Those were all attempts to legitimize the party and, and start, to start on a path of victory. And it failed. And it didn't fail because they, were, they weren't libertarians. It failed because they didn't apply the strategy of victory. They tried to maintain their morals and ethics and values uh, with not libertarians. And if you're going to be the party of you know, principle, morals, ethics, and values, just, just leave the libertarians in there. Let them lose. Just be the outreach party. All we're doing is advocating a certain way. We're not going to win. We're not going to spend a lot of money. You probably ought not spend too much money on the libertarian party because you're just flushing down the toilet. Just spend it on outreach material. Spend it on stuff that may make a difference in the minds of a handful of people, possibly maybe down the line when things start to really go south. But stop trying to win. Stop trying to win with not libertarians and just get libertarians in there to, to, to pe- preach the principle. MC? All right on. Let's uh, move on to a headline. Sure. Headline, uh, Americans don't much like federal agencies. Well, go fucking figure there. Uh, headline, Russia mulling minimum beer prices. What's that all about? Uh, headline, menthol tobacco ban appears inevitable. Expect a healthy black market, uh, more criminal justice inequities. Uh, headline, world-renowned advocates demand governments end free speech crackdowns. Uh, headline, town repeatedly surveilled man's backyard with drone without a warrant. And finally, headline, uh, he's going to prison for Twitter trolling. That's not justice. Which one of those jumps out at you? Uh, the drone. All right. Town repeatedly surveilled man's yard with drone without a warrant. The Michigan Supreme Court heard a case Wednesday that will determine if it was legal under the Fourth Amendment for a local town to hire a drone company to repeatedly spy on the home of one of its residents without a warrant. 
in the case, a man named Todd Maxson was storing and fixing up junked cars on his five-acre property in Long Lake Township in Michigan. Maxson and the township signed an agreement in 2008 that Maxson uh, would not face any zoning action if he did not increase the number of cars he had on his property. In 2010, 2016, 2017, and 2018, the township hired a company called Zero Gravity Aerial to do aerial drone surveys on Maxson's property to ensure he was complying with the settlement. The town filed the complaint against Maxson, stating that he and his wife significantly increased the scope of the junk cars and other junk material being kept on their property, as determined by aerial photographs. The photographs revealed the existence of a number of trailers and trucks with enclosed beds, which upon information and belief are being used as storage by the defendants, the city wrote in its enforcement action. These temporary storage structures violate the zoning ordinance because they are impermissible accessory buildings. Uh, court records reviewed by 404 Media show that the township hired zero-gravity aerial to specifically and repeatedly fly over Maxson's property for the express purpose of proving he had violated the township's ordinance. It's particularly notable that the township did not get a warrant to do this and chose to contract with commercial drone businesses to do surveillance rather than work with local law enforcement or get permission from a judge. The approximately 10-acre area surrounding the property of Todd Maxson uh, will be photographed and mapped to provide evidence for the purpose of code enforcement, a proposal from Zero Gravity Aerial reviewed by 404 Media Red. Primary emphasis will be placed upon identification and documentation of vehicles, scraps, and other detritus located uh, on the property. Digital imagery and GPS coordinates of the proposed area and in the surrounding areas will also be recorded. Zero-gravity aerial delivered aerial photographs of the proposed property, ground photographs taken from accessible nearby properties, and a finished uh, orthomap of the proposed property, according to the proposal which was submitted as evidence. The company also documented each and every item on the property that has moved or been added and created an inventory of everything on his property and was paid $1,200 for doing so. Uh, Dennis Wyan, the owner of Zero Gravity Aerial, wrote an affidavit in which he said that while he was flying his mission over the Maxon's property, he did see Mr. Maxon walk out to his vehicle and look up at the drone. He also stated that Maxon walked over to where he was piloting the drone and began to ask him what he was doing and that he was interfering with my work. Todd appeared to be frustrated and began to walk away and told me to go fuck yourself, Wyan noted. Uh, Wyan told me in a phone call that this was the first survey of this type he had done. Wyan specializes in environmental monitoring and in particular has expertise in flying over lakes to determine if invasive plant species have pl proliferated there. Wyan is not party to the case and is not accused of any wrongdoing. I tried to help them solve a problem, Wyan told me. I was hired to gather data. Uh, to put this simply and to put specific legal questions at play aside for a moment, what the township did was dangerous for both Wyan and Maxon. People generally do not like when unknown drones fly over and surveil their property, and it's dumbfounding that the local government would hire a civilian commercial drone photographer to collect evidence for an illegal proceeding of this nature rather than having a town official law enforcement officer do it. 
I have written about numerous instances of homeowners shooting down drones, getting into verbal and physical altercations with drone pilots, and things of this nature. Everyone is very lucky uh, that no one got hurt. Groups like the ACLU and Electronic Frontiers Foundation have been warning for more than a decade about what happened to Maxon. We are far past the original drone hype cycle, and there are now many police departments that use drones for surveillance, emergency response, and search and rescue. Many cities and states have highly specific rules for who can fly a drone on official government business, when they can fly it, and how that evidence can be used. Civil liberties experts are not always happy with these rules, but many jurisdictions have them nonetheless. Michigan Supreme Court will now decide whether it was a Fourth Amendment violation for the township to surveil his property without a warrant, meaning it would be an unreasonable search and seizure. We argue that both what the government did to the Maxons was an unconstitutional search and that deliberate, repeated snoop, uh, drone snooping like this can't be excused. And you have to exclude that evidence if you don't want an eye in the sky in everybody's backyard. Robert Fromer, an attorney with the Institute for Justice, who's representing Maxing in the case, told me. The ACLU both filed supporting motions in which they argue that what happened was wildly inappropriate and illegal. No one anywhere reasonably expects that their local government will deploy investigative cameras in the sky to repeatedly record their behavior on their own private property. Yet that is what happened in this case. And if the township gets its way, it will not only profit from its privacy violation, but open the door to other local governments deploying cheap, pervasive, flying surveillance devices to surveil private property for the smallest of civil infractions. This court should ensure that this is not the future in which Michiganders and are, co-signed, are consigned to live, the ACLU wrote. Uh, Long Lakes Township did not respond for a request to comment. Uh, end of the article. Your thoughts. Uh, is this, you know, in your opinion, is this a constitutional violation? I'm not a perfect constitutional expert, um, but uh, the way I see a lot of the government activity is very simple. Um, I don't want to pay the government to do these type of activities. Okay. So it's it's expensive and kind of pointless. So... If there is a law that says that people can't do certain things on their property, um, maybe that's fine. Maybe this, it's not, but let's just say for this argument, it is okay. So there's a law that says it can't do this activity on the property. Um, how do you enforce that? Well, if none of their neighbors care and nobody has a problem around them doing whatever they're doing on their property, if there's no victim, then... The government shouldn't be doing anything. They should just wait until uh, somebody in the community has a problem with what they're doing, and then uh, they can take action after that. Uh, But I don't want the government to be uh, spending taxpayer money um, because they, you know, have a hunch that somebody might be breaking a law somewhere. Okay. So... I'll start by saying I don't. I I agree with you. Um, he, it's his property. You know, I've, I'm a I'm a full private property guy. If it's yours, it's yours, and everyone else can again fuck off um, for trying to tell you what you can or cannot do on your property. Um, and you and you ought to have the right to defend it, uh, as previously discussed. What is interesting in this particular case is 
he signed like he signed a separate contract or an agreement, right? Like they, you know, they 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 came after him once and said like, you know, you you might be you could be in in violation of the zoning ordinance, right? And again, if if you don't like zoning in your area, you're free to move to an area with different zoning, right? We we can have that argument, uh, but he signed the agreement that and said like, I won't I won't add any more inventory to the list, right? Like that's he 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 came to a meeting of the minds with the town. Uh, if you want to call that coerced, fine, right? But you know, let's let's presume for a moment that it wasn't. Um, he came to an agreement with the town that the pro- that uh, he wouldn't increase the number of cars on the property, um, and then violated the agreement. And so, part of me goes, "Well, you know, I don't know what the exit clause is was for the agreement or what the penalties lined up in the agreement were." Uh, but one thing that, again, we 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 ought to value highly as liberty-minded freedom individuals um, is people keeping their word. Right? There's there's some trust there right like okay you know we you're not going to do this and i trust you because we have this bond this agreement this contract uh in place and then he went against it and if you know if you're if you're in contract with somebody and you think they're doing something shady right you know like this is you know this this is the the cop's excuse uh for like breaking down doors for minor drug offenses and raids right uh, if you if you if you ask if you knock on the door they're gonna flush the drugs down the toilet and you won't catch them, right? If if you have an agreement with someone and they're surreptitiously violating the agreement, uh, you can't ask them per, you can't ask them nicely. Hey, are you violating the contract? I, I think you're violating the contract, but I'm not allowed to gather evidence to to support my case. Uh, so you have to be honest with me and tell me that you're violating the contract. Of course, he's not going to admit it. Of course, he's not going to permit them to inspect if he's indeed violating the contract. Uh, so you have to you have to do what's necessary to to prove it, right? And could they have got, could they have gotten a warrant? Could they have written into the contract that he must you know submit to weekly inspections or aerial photographs or whatever to maintain uh, to to make sure that he is in compliance with his agreement? Uh, possibly probably you know i don't know how prolific drones were in 2008 so you know maybe it didn't make sense maybe this wasn't even part of the idea back then but it is now right would it, would he permit a cop to inspect it if they you know if they had like an annual uh or or a monthly inspection right you show up with the sheriff's office you count the number of cars you take pictures, you go back, you analyze that you know okay he's got seven cars he had seven cars last month these are the same seven cars you know, whatever. Well, I think what uh, is important is the suspicion. And so if you have, uh, that's the Fourth Amendment, right? Uh, search and seizure. So if, yep. you, if you have to have a reason to have a suspicion and you can't just blindly sus- suspect everybody and just, you know, search everybody's property just because you feel like it. Um, and so... Why would you suspect that he's doing anything? Um, if if there's no complaints, if there's no neighborly uh, okay. disruption, then you know that <laughs> there should be no drone flying anywhere. Um, sure, but if they wanted to get a warrant to seize the vehicles 
having this aerial photography. What's that? They'd have to they'd have to suspect that they were there in order to to get the warrant. Right, but now they know it's there. Right, like this. I think the aerial photography precedes the search and seizure warrant. Right. Hey, Your Honor, we now have evidence uh, that he is storing more than he's agreed to. Well, what? So, well, if if you call the the drone surveillance a uh, uh, a search, an illegal search, then it's not admissible. So yeah. So why, so why, how would they get the funding to do that search is my, my problem. Okay. I mean, okay. Like that's fine. You know, if if it's, if it's a neighbor that paid, uh, you know, that, uh, had a problem with his neighbor and, and he's like, uh, they're, they're doing a whole bunch of work over there making noise, whatever, um, Sure. You know, it's it stinks or whatever, and and, and does I, it have I to be a neighbor? We just you know. well, I well okay, but because <laughs> in a normal situation, the the authorities would never know. Yeah, you know, if they're just if they're acting like other members of the community, just driving around, um, sure. they would never they would never notice how many cars are on on his you know five acre property. Okay, and again. Uh, from a small level of experience or what we know within um, the libertarian community as well is we know they send in confederates and undercovers to do this type of surveillance, right? We think illegal activity is being gone is being done on the property, right? Let's integrate someone into the community. They'll, they will witness the illegal activity being done and then we'll use their testimony to a judge to go get a warrant to search and seize. So the drone pilot, right, in, the, in this, you know, in this comparison, the drone pilot is simply the confederate that they send in. Like, hey, we think some illegal activity is going on. Will you, you, will you mind going undercover and just taking a few pictures of the property? You'll get 1200 bucks for doing it. But you go undercover, you know, to, to, to surveil, to, to, to acquire the evidence we need, in order to get a warrant to legally search and seize. Is it different? Yeah, so I, I, well, it, it just depends if you call the, the drone part of the, the search. I'm, I'm suggesting it's not. Okay. The, I'm, I'm suggesting that the search is after, after the fact that they have, they now have evidence, right, that there, that there may be illegal activity going on, right? Like what would the, again, what would the difference be is if, uh, they had, you know, they had somebody, they, they paid the drone pilot instead of surveilling with the drone to just park outside and count the number of cars going in and out. Is that different? Like, oh yeah, I saw 17 cars go in and only two came out. So he's plus 15. You go to the judge, the judge goes, yep, that seems like a reasonable, that seems reasonable. Uh, go ahead and initiate an, uh, an official search. So I'm, I'm suggesting that this, that the drone pilot um, I, I could hear the case. I'll, I'll phrase it like that because I don't, I don't like taking the side of the state. Uh, but I could hear the case that the drone pilot was simply a Confederate gathering evidence to see if, to see if a crime was being committed, right? So that the case, so that the state then has the evidence it needs uh, to to pull a warrant and search and seize. Yeah, I was there to gather data. I tried to help them solve a problem. Those were the quotes from the drone pilot, right? 
he wasn't searching for anything in particular. He was just seeing if anything was being done. And that, and that's why I, I, I keep going back to this. I, the, the main idea is like there's, there's people in this town that are paying for services and do they want to pay the government to snoop on them? And yes. May, maybe the answer is yes. And maybe that's okay. And I, and I don't uh, know. I, I, I would prefer to have a government that's so small that they don't do anything Unless somebody has a fucking problem. <laughs> yeah. And I'm with you on that, right? I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate as far as the actual case. But again, who gives a fuck? I'm with you. Who gives a, if he wants to have a thousand more cars on his property, right? Because it is his property, he ought to be allowed to do so. Or not ought to be allowed. He ought to do so and then defend his right to do it. The, the interesting perspective here. Uh, again, is is not that the government is overbearing, or that there's a property rights violation, and then what the neighbors think is that he he entered into an agreement, um, and I I will hear the argument, I will hear the case that uh, that's not a real contract, that's not a real agreement. He was coerced because it was the state, and it was a take it or leave it situation. Fine, let's you know, then I'm on your side, right? And again, because it's his property, I'm a hundred percent on your side. Like I I don't care. If the neighbors don't care, fine. Like this is, you know, uh, this goes back to like my my two cases for like fundamental rights, right? It's either either everyone agrees that you're allowed, um, or you defend your ability and and your your position to do it, right? And if the neighbor and if everyone agrees that you know and and they agree by uh, the evidence that they agree is that there's no complaints, no one cares. Right, it's he's surrounded by ten other acres of whatever, and his property is already five, which is plenty for the average person. Right, if the, if if they've demonstrated their agreements uh, by not complaining, right, then he ought to be allowed uh, by default. Right, it's my property. I do what I want. No one's complaining. No one's hassling me, except for the state. The state can fuck off. Right, but when the state comes, then that's that's when you gotta raise the defenses and hope that the community stands by you but when the state comes they go like hey you got too many and we're gonna we're gonna hammer you because well okay i won't how about i how about this i just won't have any more right and then if if that's if that's the agreement beyond what is allowed then part of me wants to say that he should he should stay within the agreement right as coerced as it is right violating the agreement violating the agreement puts you in a lot more hot water which is what he finds himself in right this would not be a problem um if he had if he had lived up to his word right and just not added any vehicles um okay but the the, the problem that i have is that the community or you know the taxpayers are paying to put drones over people's heads yep and that's wasteful and abuseful to me and that's what I have a problem with. So shame on them for, for paying some guy to fly a drone over somebody's head. Yeah. Shame on them for paying. Right. Like this, this, this was part of the earlier conversation. If you're going, if you're going to pay, right. And you're not, you're not going to fight and you're not going to leave and you're choosing to stay and pay, then, then you've, you're, you've already lost, right. Those people, those people paying for drone surveillance of their neighbors, 
have ch- have made the conscious choice to be on the losing side of the conflict, right? They didn't leave. They didn't leave the township. They didn't fight back against the township. They said it would be easier just to stay where I'm at, keep my little homestead, pay you guys the monthly fee or the annual fee to, to for the for the uh, privilege of living here, right? Than it would be to escalate to violence or to leave, right? That's 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 the default agreement uh, that we've established. We have with the state. We don't leave. We don't fight back. We agree to pay. Those are the three options. Right? If they if they let you stay for if you can find a place that will let you stay for less, um, then that is the market in operation. And I suggest you move to New Hampshire, right? Or or Maine at this point. I don't know what the tax structure is in Maine. Uh, I would be m- much more interested if 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 they were part of a, a secession movement. Um, yeah, I don't have the article, um, but l- look into it, man. There's there is a local bill uh, somewhere in process here in New Hampshire uh, that. When the when the federal debt hits forty trillion dollars, it tr- <laughs> it, right. it triggers a secession, something or other. <laughs> I don't know if it triggers the actual secession, or if it triggers a vote on secession, or what it does. But they're they're trying they're trying to put a they're trying to put you know the 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 quote unquote libertarians here with R's and D's next to their name, right? Or there's they're they're actively working on secession here. And with the the debt, uh, the federal debt continually to spiral out of control, you know they just they just put a number on it, forty trillion, and we're out. You know that that's it. We're not we're not going to be a part of this. You know national debt as it gets worse and steals value from people. We're just we're just done. Um, again, I don't know the specifics. I don't have the article in front of me, but it's probably if secession is your thing, right? It's probably worth a Google. Um, because one thing is absolutely certain, uh, the national debt is going to hit forty trillion. So, so if they uh, let let's say the the limit was fifty trillion, to, just to make it a round number. Sure. Um, and then they decide to secede when it hits fifty trillion. Does that mean New Hampshire still owes the one trillion, or do they uh, get out? Does that debt just uh, not exist for them at that point? Dine and dash, man. Everyone else at the table can cover. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, there's 40, 49 other people. They can, they can handle that, no problem. They, well, the, those 49 other people who chose not to leave first, right, know that their <laughs> part of the bill is going to significantly go up and continue to go up ad infinitum until the only one left is Washington, D.C., right? Like, Washington, yeah. D.C., if everyone's splitting the bill, Washington D.C. is going to continue to order food, and they're going to continue to order like, you know, food they they individually can't afford, but it's the most expensive thing on the menu, because they know the bill is being split fifty ways, right? So New Hampshire leaves when the bill hits forty fifty trillion, right? When it hits fifty one, Texas ought to take a look, and then California, and Florida, and Alaska, and Hawaii. Right, like all all of those secessionary states should start taking a look, you know, and and again, hope hopefully New Hampshire goes first, uh, and hopefully you know hopefully this, you know, I I doubt this is going anywhere because it never really does, uh, but if you want to get it, if you want to be a part of like the in the system, um, 
in the system activism or whatever you want to call it, like the secession thing is happening here. 40 trillion, 50 trillion, it doesn't matter. They're going to get there, right? They'll, they'll get there sooner than they've ever gotten to any other number in the past, right? Like, I don't remember when it was 20 trillion, but it seems like it wasn't all that long ago. Another 7 trillion, the way they're spending, doesn't seem like it's going to take all that long to get there. Yeah, uh, in a year or two. <laughs> right. And, and, and so New Hampshire could be out in a year or two, right? If, if, the, if the appropriate people are in place, if they can convince uh, the, the diehard locals who love the federal government you know, that, they, they, that, they ought to, that they ought to leave or stand by the motto of the state that they chose to live in, Right, that's that's the most frustrating thing when talking to locals. Like, why would you do that? I'm like, dude, I moved here for your state motto: Just live free or die. Like, why are you why are you the one advocating serfdom and slavery? That's backwards. I I came here to get away from that, and you're advocating for it here under that state motto. It's one of the reasons why, even though you know, I've I have opted out of uh, the New Hampshire car registration in favor of Montana. Because uh, my vehicle is old enough to put the Montana plates on there with the permanent registration, so give my money to a different state one time um, instead of giving it to the state most closely oppressing me every year. Uh, but I had the option for like the Gadsden flag license plate, <laughs> so I rocked the Montana plates with the yellow snake on there. Right, very noticeable. I get looks all over the place when I pull into like the supermarket and jump out of my car, and there's some like. You know, old dude walking up, just staring at the plate, going, "Hey, boy, you're far from home, aren't you? Like, you have no idea, sir. But just get on board." <laughs> you know, like that's you know, it's it's it brings it brings attention to it, um, and because a lot of us do the Montana plates, uh, it is it is my belief that there is some um, overt communal protection there as well. Whether or not that's true, I you know couldn't really tell you. Um, but I, I like to think that way. Um, but again, that's, it's, it's the state motto, right? And we're not leaving, right? We're, we, we've, we've already made one move to get away from it worst elsewhere. Uh, let's, 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 you know, dig in our heels here and either they can leave, right? Or we can fight or we just accept the, the, the slavery and the serfdom. And I'd rather be here surrounded by people who don't want to leave, uh, but also don't want to accept the slavery and the serfdom, that don't want to pay the tax to the state uh, just for the, for the privilege, right, for the privilege of their protection, right? Not here. This is, you know, there, there, are, other, there are other move here projects elsewhere. You know, you can look into those. Um, again, Honduras is a big one with their uh, Covenant City or whatever it's called, fine, Take that, take that option. Um, if I, if I was, if I was more independently wealthy and didn't rely and didn't have to rely on, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say manual labor. And even though it's not really manual blue collar work, if I didn't have to rely on, um, an employer, uh, to, to get stuff done. Um, and I could, you know, I could, I could use my skills and stuff in, in Honduras, uh, then it's another one that appeals to me on that level. I just, I don't think, I don't think I have what it takes to personally uh, survive there not being independently wealthy. 
Like I don't want to get, I don't want to have to learn Spanish. I don't want to have to get a job doing weird stuff there. Like I'm, I'm fine here. Uh, so I prefer to make my stand here. Any other All thoughts? Right. No, thank you. Final thoughts. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap this <laughs> some bitch up then. Uh, you guys know where to find us: anarchistexperience.com on Telegram, t.me/anarchistexperience or t.me/theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreoncom experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace.